Welcome to Mommy Diary the Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Kim. I'm a creative lifestyle blogger and mom of four. This podcast is all about honest stories of motherhood and real conversations with real women just like you. I believe women are stronger together, and sharing our personal stories can bring empowerment, inspiration, and peace to someone else. Making connections is what brought me here today. Each week, my guests and I will share how we've overcome challenges in order to find authentic joy and purpose. We'll talk about motherhood, marriage, careers, mental health, spirituality, and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Let's start the show. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Mommy Diary, the podcast. Today, I have a very exciting guest. Her name is Michelle Tangeman. We connected over Instagram because she creates these beautiful um, content around toddlers and raising children. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and also a board certified behavior analyst. I know I was telling her I know how hard that is because I almost thought about getting my license in behavioral therapy or uh, BCBA as a BCB and it was the hardest, the most dense and intensive coursework I've done. So we know that she has so much to offer and she's definitely done a lot of work, not only as a mom of two, but also as a professional. She is a mom of two young children. One is three years old and one is just turning one. So she has a wide range of experience from professional to personal. And I'm very excited to have her on the show and hear her story. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Angela. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you too. So before we are we started recording, we kind of just started talking about I already know that we're going to have so much in common and I know that you belong in our community. So I'm so excited to have you. And just, just so if you listeners are like, if you hear a baby crying in the back, that's my daughter, Rumi. And I think it's her nap time, but we both have, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she has to pick up her daughter at 12. So we're just going to record. So I'm sorry about the noise. We'll try to keep it at a minimum. And yeah, Michelle, I'll just let you um, share who you are and what you do and what inspire you, what inspires you to do this work? Yeah. So I always knew as a young girl that I wanted to help people. I didn't know how that was going to look, but I loved helping. And I, and I come from a line of helpers. My mom, you know, she works with the elderly population. And so I saw her growing up, you know, working in nursing homes, taking care of the elderly. And so I think it it runs in our family. And when I got to college, I was like, you know, I, I want to work with kids. I want to see, you know, I think I want to, I want to, I'm really interested in psychology. Like I'm, I'm kind of a nerd, I consume all things psychology. And so I knew that that the social sciences is where is is the direction I wanted to go in. And so I first started my career working at working in the homes actually with, with children with disabilities. And I got a lot of great, awesome experience in, in these people's homes. And I got to see parents and, and specifically moms, you know, in terms of what, their everyday looked like in terms of having a child with a disability and and supporting them. And so I grew into the profession, you know, I got a master's degree, I got licensed, and I just wanted to continue the work. 
And then kind of fast forward to when I, when I got married, I had my first child in 2017 and that changed everything. There was a lot that was kind of happening all at once. So I had my first child. I had no idea what motherhood was going to look like. I mean, I kind of had an idea. I knew what it was like to work with children, but you never really know until you have your own and nobody can really prepare you for what's going to come and how you're going to change and your identity, how it shifts. Because for me personally, I had spent, you know, all of my twenties essentially building my career. And then I had my first child and everything changed. And and in my family, we had decided that I would stay home for the first couple of years to help raise our children. And, and I was more than happy to do that. I was thrilled. But little did I know how challenging it was going to be on me emotionally. I thought I was well prepared. I had the education. And looking back, I was so naive. And what I didn't expect to happen was to feel that postpartum depression. And so I didn't experience any symptoms until about six months postpartum. And my pediatrician and my OB had done their screenings, right? And I had passed the screenings. I was doing really well, or at least I thought I was. And then right at six months, it came flooding into my life. And I think it was really where my my daughter was 6 months old and I was starting to wean. So there was kind of a lot of things that were happening all at once. I was starting to wean because she was telling me she was ready to be done. I wasn't producing enough milk. That made me feel tremendously guilty because I ha- I felt this need to be breastfeeding at least maybe till 2 years old. And the thought of maybe not hitting that goal was was so challenging for me. So I think it was that paired with hormone changes, paired with really the identity shift, right? Like I wasn't working. I was spending a lot of time at home. I was, I think going above and beyond just kind of catering everything to my child. I wasn't having a lot of support in the home in terms of childcare. You know, I was doing it all on my own. And so I think that brought an overwhelming feeling of despair for me. And that was the first time I had really experienced depression or symptoms of depression. And for me, and for everyone, it manifests a little bit differently. And for me, there were three main things that I experienced. And that was number one, self-esteem just not feeling like I was worthy, not feeling like I was good enough in anything that I was doing, an overwhelming sense of sadness. And number three for me was I didn't, I thought that this was the new normal. I thought that this was how it's always, always was going to be and that there was no light at the end of the tunnel. So what does a mom do? What do you do? I'm, I'm crying almost daily. I'm not sure that I'm doing a good job. And I'm a therapist. And I think putting that pressure on myself made it even harder on me. And so what ended up happening is I, I sought I sought out a therapist, a local therapist, and it what it changed everything. It just made everything that cloud that you sometimes experience that kind of hangs over you when you're depressed. It just felt like it was slowly disappearing and it changed everything. And I, I just I can't say, you know. Angel, I've heard your story too on your podcast, and I just want to thank you for sharing that. And I think that does, it helps all of us, all of us moms so much to hear 
each other talk about it. And I think, and I was saying this to you earlier, and that is 10 years ago when you were experiencing was very different from maybe moms experiencing now in the sense that in terms of resources, like for you, I can't speak to what resources you had, but they're likely limited. And, and the resources that we have today there's so much more information out there. I mean, it's all over Instagram. There are highly qualified, wonderful therapists out there that provide excellent mommy support, but also this wonderful organization called Postpartum Support International, where you can get, you can access free resources, free group. You can find local therapists in your area. They have a wonderful directory. They just have just amazing and amazing amounts, a plethora of of information that you can access for free. And that really made all of the difference for me. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Michelle. I can totally relate to you, everything that you just discussed, including feeling like this lack of self-esteem. And I think that was a big one for me as well. Like, is this my new normal? Is it going to be like this forever? So I love to tell new moms that no, this is not the forever. This is just temporary. This is just your new you now. But you know, as a as a baby gets older, I'm sure now you know that you have a three-year-old, once they go to preschool, mm-hmm. things kind of start getting better. Of course, you're, you have new challenges raising a toddler and a preschool age children, but you do start finding your um, way back into your new identity as a mom and also a woman. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, gosh, like it's like you said, it was really like a dark gray cloud that just follows you everywhere. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was like this Zoloft commercial. Zoloft is an antidepressant And I remember it looked just like that. There's just a gray cloud that follows you wherever you go. And it almost felt like I'm an outsider looking in and everyone just looked so normal and happy. And I just felt like I was in this dark place by myself. And I'm wondering, were you able to get out of this just with talk therapy without any medication? Yeah, you know, I definitely was going to consider medication, but I was like, you know, I'm going to give therapy a go first and let's do, you know, I kind of had an idea, you know, being a therapist myself, I was like, I'm going to give it, you know, a certain amount of weeks. And if my symptoms are not getting better, then I will consider medication. So medication was never off the table for me, but I didn't have to use, I didn't have to, I didn't get to the point where I needed medication because the talk therapy alone was enough. And for those of you out there, Angela, and I know you've mentioned this before too, if you are considering therapy, um, the most of the success for therapy, yes, I mean, have a trained, qualified individual that maybe has specialized training, but more importantly is, do you connect with your therapist? And I think that connection is what makes everything different in terms of the success of therapy. So, and and I like to say, like, if you don't know within three visits, if that therapist is the right person for you, then, then try, then look somewhere else, like find a different referral because that relationship is what really goes a long way. I agree. And I love your um, approach of being open to medication, Mm -hmm. but still giving yourself time. Like I want the listeners to know that there is absolutely no shame in medication. Like I needed it and it definitely helped me, but I didn't take it for a whole year. Like the psychiatrist told me I had to, I was, I still had some control after a while. Like when I was on meds and I was going through when I had my regular talk therapy. So you don't like, I think 
the most important thing is knowing that we're still in control. Like you don't have to do something someone tells you you have to do, but you know, always remember that medication is okay. And there's absolutely no shame in it, but you know, it's okay to give yourself time to, before you make that decision. It doesn't mean like you just have to go in your first day, you have to get meds, right? Like I, I really want the moms to know that even in, during your darkest hours, like you still have control over that, like that's up to you. A hundred percent. You know, this is true advice that I give for maternal mental health and for and paternal mental health as well. You know, it, you know, dads are not immune to it either. You know, it, it happens to them as well. And it's more likely to have, they're more likely to have postpartum anxiety or depression symptoms if their partner has it as well. So that's important to know too. I don't want to leave the dads out, but going back to your point of yes, at I want to empower moms, educate moms in their maternal mental health and also in their parenting, right? So take the information in and decide, does this align with my values as an individual? No matter where you are, how hard, difficult it seems emotionally, at the end of the day, you have all of the power. You have the ability to choose what works best for you and your family. I agree. And the reason why I reiterate this is because when you have postpartum depression, like you go and you, and they tell you, I mean, you almost kind of know that something's off and then you get diagnosed, right? Like a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist tells you, okay, you are, you have this, like that's the clear diagnosis. And when you get that, especially for me, that was my first time receiving anything remotely close. And I just felt this like shock and confusion. And I think even in your depression, you can be really hard on yourself, right? As if like you've lost all sense of normalcy. And I want uh, moms to know it's not, it's, it's temporary. You can definitely find yourself again, even in that moment. And don't let like, it's, it's important to turn to professionals, but don't feel like you have to do something that doesn't align with Mm -hmm. your value, no matter what it is. And I remember I had, you know, I went through multiple therapists during this time, because the first one that I saw, I think I talk about this in my own episode, the first, I think it was like, it's like an episode number three or four, I'm not sure. But I remember I went to go see her and she was very, like, very, experience she had a really amazing like credentials as far as degrees go and then she wrote on a on a pad like on a prescription pad she said okay I want you to go home Angela and get eight hours of sleep for a week and I can understand why she did this she probably knew I was sleep deprived which I was right when I was going through my own depression I wasn't sleeping so I was fully responsible for my newborn daughter for about six, seven weeks every day. It was like, you know how exhausting that is, right? And I think I just like had a had a breaking point. So I understand it was not her fault that she did this, but I remember it was impossible for me. And I'm so glad that you brought up dads because now looking back in retrospect, I think my husband might have been going through something of his own too, because I had Elise, she was showing signs of um, special needs. And then I had my baby. So they they were only 20 months apart. So there was no intimacy. There was no sex. There were no date nights. There was no romance. And I was completely just in my own world, right? Just breastfeeding and diapering. 
And I wonder if my husband was going through something too at the time. And that's where the the true disconnect came from. I couldn't tell him what I was feeling. I felt like I he wasn't a safe place for me because I felt I was building some resentment inside. Like, how come he can't read my mind and just get the baby? But he went back to work right away. So I understand like he couldn't be sleep deprived. He had a very, you know, like a corporate job. So there were so many factors to this, Michelle, I'm sure you know, and I'm so glad you bring up dad because I can definitely see and now I have empathy for my husband at the time back then I was full of resentment. But Mm -hmm. now when I look back, I feel bad because imagine how lonely a dad is when you have a baby and you lose your wife. Right. Along with your baby. And I can totally relate to that. So thank you so much for bringing that up, Michelle. And thank you so much for sharing your story. So let's keep going. I want to hear more. Yeah. Yeah. So my story, my postpartum story doesn't end there. So I had my daughter, you know, I had my first experience with postpartum depression. And then to my surprise, I was like, okay, I'm prepared. I know how to take care of myself. I put some great systems in place for myself. Like I know what works. I know what doesn't work. Okay, here we go. And so, you know, we had, I was pregnant. I found out I was pregnant with my son, my second child and about six weeks, as early as six weeks, I started to feel symptoms again. And I, and for me, I was like, no, this can't be, this can't be happening again. And then what, what was tricky was, is I, I kind of dismissed it. I dismissed it because I was like, you know what? I'm in my first trimester. This is all normal. Like I should be feeling sick. I should be emotional. I should be, I was shooting all over myself. Okay. So that's, that's the problem. And then I was dismissing my feelings. Problem number two. And so quickly I realized by eight weeks, I was like, this is more, this this is more than just what I'm feeling, what I think is normal in the first trimester. Okay. So back to therapy, I went and I, you know, I was, yes, I was prepared for postpartum, like after the baby was here, right. I wasn't anticipating feeling this way while I was pregnant, so early on, especially. And so I think that you can be as prepared as you want, but you never know what's really going to happen. And so I don't want that to, I don't, I don't share this, it to be discouraging because for me as a clinician, I think very proactively, okay, how can we be proactive so that we can kind of anticipate certain things happening to us? What can I do so that I, I feel better supported? And sometimes that just is impossible. And so this is where I kind of talk about radical acceptance. And that is like, okay, I'm just going to wait and I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to accept my feelings. I'm going to accept that I'm feeling this way. And then I'm going to pull upon the supports that I need. So meaning now my husband kind of knew what to look for. And then he was really my support person in terms of guiding me back to, okay, maybe it's time to go check in with your therapist and let's see how we go. or Let's see what happens from there. And so this time my visit was shorter. I didn't need as many sessions, but that was because I attribute that to getting that help early on and not feeling like I needed to be in this negative space stuck. And so that I think was, was transformative and life-changing for me. Yeah. You know, first of all, it's reassuring 
and almost comforting to know that even someone like you with professional experience and background and knowledge can experience this twice, which goes to show how normal it is. Like I'm all about let's normalize postpartum depression and anxiety. I think it's almost more normal than not, because how can we be okay after birthing a baby? I mean, that's a lot of work. We're carrying a child where, you know, they go from a cell to a baby come out of our vaginas or our stomachs. And it's like, if you think about it, it's a very, it's not normal. Like This is supposed (laughs) to be happening, right? Where we're just supposed to be joyous and grateful and happy all the time. This is really hard stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think for, you know, just generations and generations, women were silenced and just made to feel like they should, it should all just be unicorns and flowers and roses and just rosy and happy time when it's really not. And and don't get me wrong. I think even when you're postpartum, when you have depression, you can still feel love for your baby, right? It's not, I think that was the hardest part for me was I thought, okay, admitting that I have postpartum depression means I'm like some crazy mom who wants to hurt her child. Like, it's not that there's a spectrum, like, sure, I'm sure that's on the extreme end of it. But I think for most moms, and and maybe, and you can go into this, I think for most moms, it shows up in little ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like tiny everyday ways. It's not so extreme where I think that's why a lot of moms can overlook and almost miss the signs of depression and anxiety. So can you now like put on your hat as a professional and go over some signs and what to look for, for a mom, you know, to know that they may have to seek help? Yeah, I, I, I want to mention that, you know, I think what ends up happening is we go into what's called like formally cognitive distortion. So my, earlier I mentioned I was shooting all over myself, should statements, that is a, an example of a cognitive distortion. Those are things that we say to ourselves. Like we have thousands and thousands of automatic thoughts that we think in our heads. And some of it, we put a lot of value on, right? So if I say, for example, I am not worthy, I am not good enough. And, and you say those things or you think them in your head and then you, at- you, you tie value to them. And that's where we can get stuck in our thinking. So should statements is one. I think another, a big one is we think in the black and white. This is the all or nothing thinking, right? So like, so for example, like if I'm feeling depressed and I maybe don't want to pick up my baby right now because I just need to close my eyes for a second, then we think I am a bad mom. Right. So that's the black and white thinking. And and our world is we live in the gray. Right. But our brains like to say it's all or nothing. It's this way or it's this way. And so I think if you are aware of those cognitive traps that we set for ourselves and that you buy into them, that's where we kind of get stuck in this rut of if you are feeling anxious or if you are feeling depressed. So a lot of the work that we do or that I do in my sessions is really first identifying what are the thoughts that are firing in your head? Okay, so let's explore that a little bit more. And yes, every, everything, every quote unquote disorder out there, there's a spectrum, there is a wide spectrum and, and each of us as individuals experience them differently. And the more that moms like us talk about it, 
the better it is for everyone. And I think for our generation in particular, like I asked my mom and my grandma about it and they're like, oh no, everything was like peachy and roses and wonderful. And I'm like, but really, was it really though? Like, do you really remember? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a piece of cake. And and that just makes us feel, well, that makes me feel worse. It's like, then what's wrong with me? Like, well, how come I'm not having the same experience that maybe you had or that maybe your mom had? And, and I think it's because there is shame. Maybe there is shame and you suppress that, right? Shame grows when you don't talk about it. And talking about it squashes shame. And, and maybe that is also true. I am an Asian American. I'm first generation Asian American. And so I grew up in a very, I grew up in a Korean family. And so I think a lot of it, some of it is cultural in my, in my particular situation. And that is, we don't talk about things that are hard and, I am being a therapist. I want to talk about everything that's hard, you know, because I want to, I want help. And, and when that's not encouraged in your own family, I think that makes it even more challenging. You know, interestingly, I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm really close to my mom. When I was a teenager, I wasn't, I was a nightmare, but you know, now as a mom, I'm understanding her and loving her in new ways. Right. Cause I can kind of go back and see how, hard it was for her in that generation but one of the things that we were talking about is she I don't think she even realized she had postpartum depression after her third baby until I started feeling it and once I started going through it I was going through therapy I was crying I would come back and and luckily I had my mom I had no other resources but I could just talk to my mom about it and at that moment it's almost like she remembered She said, oh, I remember a time when your younger sister, she's six years younger than me, was a baby and I was, you know, holding her and she was crying. And I had this thought of what would happen if I jump off? Like it was something really like jump off this. It was like an apartment and back in Korea, they have like really tall apartments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, wow, looking back, like that's not a normal thought. I think she was just overwhelmed and sleep deprived. And it was a a dark thought that she probably never shared right until that moment with me. And then I realized I can only imagine how many women, mothers and grandmothers out there silenced you know, these uh, feelings, these very, I want to say normal, because I think they're normal feelings. Like, and I think some people may disagree, but I don't see this as very extreme, like crazy thoughts and feelings. I see it as like a normal transition into motherhood, a lot of hormonal chemical imbalances. And I agree, like when you're weaning is another, like, I want to talk about that, that when you're weaning, for me, personally, you get very emotional. And I remember feeling intense shame and guilt Mm -hmm. every time I wean. It -hmm. happens every time. Like it never goes, you know, now that I'm more aware. So it's like a, it's almost like a, just a part of every child, right? Every motherhood journey. (laughs) It happens with every kid. Like I, I never... Yeah. yeah, we all have those. We all have certain thoughts, right? And we all have them to various degrees. And it's just how much value we choose to tie to them, right? And that's kind of what either we either kind of move past it and we suffer, right? Or we move past it, we accept it, and we say, I'm going to push through. So we all cope and, and address our thoughts and our behaviors very differently. And so I think that. 
I think my biggest takeaway just in general in this whole conversation is, is don't feel like you have to suffer. And even if nobody around you relates, whether it be your friends or your family members, just know that there are so many resources out there for you and that you don't have to go at it alone and that there's no shame in what you are thinking you have to reach out for support so you don't do it alone because that's the best, to be very frank, that is the best gift that you can give to your children is to be happy and healthy yourself. Yeah, I think for me, it was like once I accepted that, okay, I have postpartum depression, but there wasn't, like you said, like you don't have to put so much weight to those words. Like, okay, you're now you just need to talk to somebody, accept your feelings and move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. So there's a big breakthrough that comes from simply accepting and, and honoring your feelings. Right. Is this what you see when you talk to new moms and therapy sessions? Absolutely. You know, part of my sessions include talk like providing that psychoeducation, meaning I'm giving you all of the science of what we know about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, what we know about feelings and what they mean, right? So that you can kind of connect the dots because it, it, it resonates and it sits with each of us differently. And so if, if I, when I provide that education, most of the time I see this aha. Like I get a lot of aha moments and then that's when the, the real transformative work starts to happen. Right. So we start, then we go into what are your thoughts and what are, what are some of the cognitive distortions that you are engaging in or that you might be engaging in? And so we identify that and that gives people so much power and you feel less hopeless in that situation. So if you feel like you are experiencing signs of postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD, you know, I think the first question is, is the first question to ask maybe yourself, even if, if you are currently pregnant now and you might be having your first child is, is there a history of mental health in my family? Because that's a really good indicator in terms of, you know, I don't want to say predicting the future, but if there is a history, then that might be something that could potentially come up for you. So that would be number one. And if you're feeling like maybe you haven't fallen in love with your baby right away, I want you to know that that's normal too. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have postpartum anxiety or depression. You know, that those are, that's considered the baby blues. And I think that that's really important to know the difference between baby blues and what's, what's a little bit more. And really the biggest indication is, or difference is duration of time. So baby blues are very common and normal, and it lasts only a couple weeks. Whereas if you're experiencing signs and symptoms longer than maybe that two or three week period, then it's time to say, okay, I need to reach out for help. I can't really emphasize that more in terms of just reaching out. And the best, best, best place to start, in my opinion, is going to Postpartum Support International because you can access the free resources, the free groups, you connect with other moms that have maybe delivered around the same time. Also, depending on where you live, I know that mommy and me, it is becoming very, very popular. And Angela, I don't know if that was really around when you were, when you had your first child, but mommy and me's are a great place to also connect with other moms and get support. Most of the time, in, in some cases I see, you know, mental health professionals running those groups and that's also a great place to connect. So I think it's really important just to listen to yourself. And, and I think you 
will be able to identify what are red flags for yourself. And then the next step would be to take action. In general, the best thing you can always do for yourself is take action. For example, like if you haven't worked out for a long time, like the best thing you can do is just go out for a walk, right? And you build from there. That's how we all build new skills. I love that. And it just takes small steps, right? If you, I, I, I really need to listen to this advice because I haven't been active like the entire quarantine, but I just sometimes, you know, it's so hard for me just to get out there. It's just so hard to, that first step is the hardest, but once you're out there, it feels great, you know? So I've been trying to make, I think it's so important to move your body too when a mom is depressed mm-hmm. or yes. you know anxious. That, that's that's a big one that, and it's mm-hmm. so hard, especially when you have a newborn, you're tired, you're probably like in your pajamas for days, you haven't washed your hair. Mm-hmm. And like motivation is at its lowest point, but moving your body sometimes I'll just like turn on music and just dance in my room or in I my love that. and you know now that I have younger kids like my son he loves to dance so he'll put on his little music like nursery rhymes and start dancing and I'll just dance next to him mm-hmm. not because I want to but more as like okay it's play for him and it's just to get my body moving and just get the blood flowing so those are you know little strategies you know that I I I want the listeners to know like, yeah, I have four children and my second, after my second baby, like I haven't really had, you know, episodes of postpartum depression, but the baby blues were always there. Mm-hmm. And I always had like triggers too. When I'm breastfeeding my son at nighttime at like 2am, everyone's sleeping, I'm tired. I'll get like flashbacks of those really lonely nights, you know, so that happens. I think a big part of it is just managing, like maintaining, just knowing that this can happen and just being more gentle with yourself. It's that acceptance piece, you know, we are kind of having those flashbacks saying, yes, I acknowledge this. I'm going to accept it. It will pass. And then you continue. And I love how you mentioned that it's not black and white, right? Like mm-hmm. the first time you feel a little bit like tinge of sadness or even like a bad thought, like, oh, I want to run away. I think it's a comment. I don't want to be here. Like I, I remember when my daughter was crying and she's a baby and I was just like, I don't want, I'm like so tired of changing your diaper. I'm so tired of getting up. It's three o'clock. I wish someone else would do it for me. Or for mm-hmm. me, it was more like, oh, I just want to sink into this bed and just like not do anything. I just want to sleep. Right. Yep. Like this wanting to escape, but when I get that now, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm feeling that, like you said, I didn't even realize that's what I was doing, but that's what helped me, you know, was okay. I'm feeling that, but it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You know, I'll just feel these feelings and hopefully tomorrow will be a better day. Yeah. And then, it's important know, to feel the feelings and not dismiss your feelings. They are two very different things. And it's, it helps to tell someone, right? Like, especially our spouse, our partner, because they're, in it with us. And, you know, I, we feel each other's energy. So when the mom is feeling this way, how can the marriage be happy? Right? So what's the best way? Like, how can we best approach our spouse or our partner who may not be very knowledgeable about postpartum depression or anxiety, you know, for a lot of first time dads, they might not even be ready to accept that, your feelings are valid. Like, are there any tips 
for that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, again, I think this goes back to being one, being open and aware of what's happening to you and feeling like you are safe enough to share that and express that to your partner is the best thing you can do. That's your starting point is this is how I'm feeling. And hopefully, right, like your partner is is able to listen, take it in, and then come from a place of love and kindness and say, is there something I can do to help you, right? Because the worst thing you can do, and Angela, you mentioned this, is mind reading, right? That's another cognitive distortion that is common that we engage in. And as I, my, like, it should be my husband's turn. He should be getting up right now. Why, why do I have to do all of this? Well, that isn't necessarily fair, right? Like, if you need something, you have to be able to express it. Now, whether your partner receives that or not, I don't know, right? So then we go from there. But the first step in terms of yourself is to put it out there. And that's, I think that's exactly what I did. I didn't say anything. I didn't ask for help. And then I'll just expect him to read my mind and know when to, you know, jump in and help with the baby. When, of course, for him, he's thinking, oh, she's fine. She got this. And there was an element of like, him trusting me too much because you know I he thought I was so strong and I already went through this before so I don't think he even realized that you could be like having a harder time with their second child <laughs> which of course it is because now you have two yeah. t- children instead of just one to tend to but he's a guy like men it might it could take them longer to really understand this process so I didn't ask for help I didn't voice myself and I expected him to read my mind. And another thing I did was I built resentment and, Mm -hmm. and I didn't, and this is one thing I learned through couples therapy was I have to talk about my feelings. Like, you know, this is how I feel rather than saying you're not doing something, not even not talking about actions Mm -hmm. because that's what leads to a lot of like defense. You know, you have, we all have like negative patterns, right. And the way, we talk to our spouses, especially when we're tired, especially when we're sleep deprived Mm and, and, you know, in this uh, postpartum fog. So that was another thing. I don't know if it helps anyone listening, but when you talk about feelings, a very honest, gentle place, like, Mm -hmm. you know, honey, this has nothing to do with you. I'm not judging you. You know, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just right now I'm feeling this way you know, I'm so tired. And it would really help me a lot if you can step in. And, you know, you kind of have to go from that. And I think that's the problem of not expressing yourself when your needs aren't met. And like, I would just harbor it, and then it turns to anger. So when it comes out in form of anger, they're like, less likely, they don't want to help you because they're like, Whoa, what's going on? Where's all this anger coming from? Right? They go defensive, right? And usually, if you're feeling angry, it's not really whatever triggered your anger in that moment. It's, you know, what's going on? What's the bigger picture here? Right? So if you are feeling angry, it's, it's, it usually gotta, okay, this is an indicator that I need to take a break and figure out what is the underlying issue here? What, yeah. what need not being met? Yeah, I, I learned that the anger or anger can be a secondary emotion that there could be yep. pain underneath that. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge breakthrough for me. So now when I feel resentful, I check myself like, why am I feeling mm-hmm. resentful? Okay, it's because my needs aren't met. I'm tired. I need some alone time with my husband or I need to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I need a break, you know, with my girlfriends, I need some girl time, you know, there are ways to 
um, manage it, although it's kind of hard right now in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there are so many great takeaways here. Michelle, thank you so much for all your time. And I know we wanted to talk about like more things. I wanted to ask you questions about toddlers, because I feel like that's a very unique time. You know, babies are hard, but they're also very cute. Like they just lay there, right? <laughs> like yeah. they cry, you pick them up. But toddlers, they're like little humans with a mind of their own and who are like not really capable of making smart decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I yeah. want to talk about that. And you know what? I may, I may have to ask you back and we may you have do. to do a part two to this, where we really go into like the toddler stage. Cause that's one of your expertise. Can you tell us what you do in this space and for mothers with toddlers? Yeah, I love that you asked that. And I'm happy to talk a little bit about that and maybe more at a later time. But before we transition, there's one message I wanted to share. And that is nobody has it figured out. Okay, you figure it out as you go. Okay, so I hope that that empowers you. Okay, so Thriving Toddler is a community that I created on Instagram a couple, actually it's been just over a year. And the reason why I started it is because yes, babies are cute and, you know, we feed them, we change them and they don't, you know, they just need our love and our attention. They don't need too much. And then they evolve into, you're right, these little people with personalities. They want to assert their independence. You're seeing all kinds of behaviors. You're wondering, is this normal? How do I manage this? It's the first time in your parenting as a parent where you're like, how do I discipline my child? How do I respond? And so I wanted to create, I wanted to have a wider reach and I wanted to educate and support parents in terms of, okay, this is where we start. Okay. So I want you to sit down with your partner and talk about what's important to you as a family, right? So what's important specifically in terms of parenting, right? Because all of us bring our own experiences to the table when we parent our children. So I created this wonderful course where it were you work through your values and then I teach you the science behind how you identify what your child is communicating. So whether they're expressively communicating or not, you can identify what's happening in the environment or you and then that helps you determine what your child is trying to communicate to you so that you can make an informed decision in the moment to not necessarily discipline, meaning like have some kind of negative consequence, but rather it's a teaching opportunity. So I put a big emphasis on, okay, what are the skills that we need to teach our toddlers so that they're able to navigate their social world? So I created this whole beautiful course for parents out there that are currently navigating the toddler years. And you can find that at thrivingtoddler.com. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle, for all that you do for the community. And you're are you are you also available for postpartum mamas for therapy? And are you offering therapy now? Okay. Yes. So if you live in the state of California and you're looking for uh, postpartum support, I am available. And you can find information at michelletangeman.com. And I do offer a 15 minute consultation to see if we are a good fit. 
I love that. That's that way you can kind of get a feel for each other and to see if you can really like connect and get help and 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 for you to offer help. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to put all of Michelle's handles on the show notes so you know where to find her. If you're not already, please follow her on Instagram at thriving toddler. Is there something in the middle or is it just oh, yeah. thriving dot okay. thriving dot toddler. There's a lot of great content on there. I'm always checking her page. She has a lot of shareable content that you can share with your mom, friends, and your community. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your time today. And I really hope that I can get you back on the show one day and we can go maybe dive a little deeper into the toddler years. I'm happy to be back at any time. Thanks, Angela. Thank you. You are my sunlight. Thanks so much for listening to Mommy Diary, the podcast. If you can relate to any of my stories, my hope is that you leave this episode feeling a little less alone and a lot more inspired. For more parenting and lifestyle stories, head over to my blog, mommy-diary.com or join me on Instagram at mommydiary. If you're loving this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. I love connecting with you, so send me a DM and let me know what you'd like to hear next. Talk to you next week.